right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that of a sexual nature and should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off of the internet or for some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And I want to start out today's episode by thanking all my Patreon and convict subscribers for doing what you do and helping make this show run. I appreciate and love each and every one of you. And I want to thank all you listeners. If you can't be a patron or convict or you don't want to, thank you for listening and liking us and sharing us and leaving us reviews. Also, if you want to advertise on Real Life Real Crime, the podcast, before the middle of April and lock it in, then email Cindy at CYNDI at real life real crime.com and we have a multitude of ways that we can help you advertise your business so that being said let's get back to an old old cop story and i gotta think of what i'm gonna name this one um <laughs> i i'm i'm can't say that name. Let's do um Oh fuck. I didn't y'all I'm trying seriously trying to come up with one that's not too vulgar. Um Pud Beater. <laughs> P U D Beater. All right. This is raw and unscripted. Going back again, I told you all season 13 is mostly going to be me telling the old cop stories. So I'll take you back to a time um, when I was a detective with the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. I don't remember the year, probably 2004, 2005, somewhere like that. I do remember it was late in the afternoon, and I got off at 4 o'clock, y'all, 4 o'clock p.m., 
um, unless I was on a night shift, but I was definitely on the day shift and I was working uh, late and my secretary was working late. And I'm not going to say any names in this episode and you'll know why at the end of it. My secretary was working late. I think I was on a, on a, a, uh, a burglary case and I was getting some warrant signed or whatever, or she was typing them up. I don't remember, but the, the office normally closed at four and, but it was later than that. Uh, I don't know, four thirty something like that. And I had the back office. So when you walked into the old detective's office there, the secretary sat there in the room that had a couple of detectives in that room. And you had to walk to the back of that room and go to a door to your right and it went to a little like cubby area and then you hit another door and my desk was in the back of that office. Okay. So I'm doing whatever I was doing, waiting on something. I don't remember, but I remember the my secretary coming in and she said, uh, there's a lady here who needs to make a complaint. I'm like, I'm thinking, fuck me. I mean, it's after hours. I said, what, what can you call the night shift detectives? And she said, they're, they're out on something. What are you, they're working on? They had to go to the hospital on a beating or something. I was like, fuck. And I'm like, all right, I'm certainly not going to tell the sheriff or Kearney, chief Kearney Foster that I didn't take a complaint. So I get up and I walk into that office and there was a lady probably mid thirties in a, in a, a business outfit, very well dressed, very well put together, and long blonde hair, and she was—I could tell you she was visibly shaken. And I was like, "Ma'am, I'm Detective Overton. Um, you know, can I help you?" And she said, I, I, "I need to make a complaint. I need to file a report. I need to do something." I said, "Okay, calm down." I said, "Come on back here with me." to my desk and, and we'll find out what happened. Right. So I bring her in the back room, sit her down and I said, do you need some water? And she was like, yes. I mean, it was like she was almost trembling. Y'all So I got her some water, sit back down with her. And I said, no, okay. Just tell me what happened. Why are you here? And she she was almost crying. She said, I don't even know where to begin. I said, well, you know, you got to begin somewhere. You got to tell me what happened. And she said, well, I work in Tangibo Parish. I work in Hammond, and I drive the interstate every day. And she said, I get off at 4 o'clock, and um, I drive, and I live in Walker. And she says, so I drive Interstate 12 from Hammond to the Walker exit, and then, then I get off and I go home, right? It's okay. She said, well, today I was passing the in between the Albany and holding Louisiana exit, oh, y'all, then they're like five miles apart. When you come into um, Livingston Parish from Tangipo Parish, the first exit is the Albany exit, and it's five miles to the Holden exit, then five miles to the Livingston exit, which, which is where I was in the old courthouse, right? She said, I'm somewhere in between Albany and Holden, and she said, I'm in the fast lane, uh, um, and I'm driving, and I see in my rearview mirror this little red truck come up on me real fast. That's okay. I mean, I'm thinking it's going to be like a road rage incident or something, right? And I said, what happened? She said, well, I, I moved over out of its way so it could pass me and uh, into the slow lane so it could pass me. And she said, and I moved over, and he pulls up right beside me, and he kept pace with me. And she said, I was like, 
I was thinking, why isn't he past me? And she said, and I look over and I see he is masturbating. And I'm like, you could see, you know, how could you see this? I said, I mean, I drive the interstate every day. I'm, you know, most of the time I can't see what's going on in other people's cars. She said, I drive a big SUV. Um, I think it was an excursion, y'all, one of those giant fours. She said, I, I drive the big SUV. It's got big tires on it. And he was in a smaller red Toyota single cab pickup truck. And she said, and when I looked over, she said, I was wondering why he wasn't passing me. She said, I looked over, and I could see he was masturbating. And I said, okay, so you, you could see because you have a higher vantage point. She said, yes. And I said, okay. I'm thinking, fuck me. Here we go again, right? Only in Livingston Parish. Uh, um, so I'm trying to formulate my questions, and, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about her. And I said, well, what happened next? I said, you look over and you see his master. I said, I said, was he like rubbing on outside of his pants? She said, no, he had his junk out. Uh, or she didn't say junk. She said that he had his penis exposed. And when I looked over and I realized what he was doing, she said he was masturbating. I said, okay, I get that. She said, when I looked over, I realized what he was doing. She said, I looked at him and he looked me dead in the eyes and he smiled and he kind of leaned back in the seat, like pushing this penis up higher in the air. And she said he was masturbating. I said, so he was physically had his hand, on his penis and he's masturbating and when he sees you see him and y'all make eye contact he arches back up a little bit and pushes his penis higher in the air she said yes absolutely and i'm like okay so what happened then she said well i I slowed down she said i hit my brakes to slow down and and so i mean she said freaked me out and i hit my brakes to slow down uh, she said, and when I slowed down, he slowed down and, and he started honking his horn at me. I'm like, what? And she said, she said, detective Overton, I couldn't, I, I slowed way down. He slowed way down. She said that. And I looked over, he's still masturbating. She said, so I'll punch it and he punches it and he's keeping up with me. He's honking his horn. And she said, I looked over at him again so I looked over again, he's honking the horn, and he's masturbating in my direction. He has his penis pointed towards me, and she said, I couldn't shake him, uh, and said he's got his, you know, his pelvis arched in the air, and he's he's keeping pace with me, and he's honking his horn. He knows that I've seen him masturbating, and then she said, he starts pointing his hand, like, to for me to pull over and she was like i was not going to pull over i'm thinking i mean i'm glad you didn't right and and she said but he kept pace with me and kept pointing and honking his horn and no matter how fast i went and she said i actually sped up till i caught the next car in front of me and i couldn't go anywhere and he's blocked me in in the hammer lane and he was masturbating i'm like okay and she said um by that time, we had passed the holding exit, and 
kept going on and he kept honking and pointing over and I said I wasn't even trying to look at him anymore she said I was scared to death this guy's going to run me off the road he's going to rape me he's pointing for me to pull over and I'm thinking you know what I'm pretty sure this isn't the first time this motherfucker has beat his meat going down the interstate right and and he caught this lady's attention and he continues to do it and she slows down and he's basically blocking her and, and cock blocking her if you will for lack of a better term and no matter how she tried to shake him he's escalating it and he's telling her to pull over and i'm thinking you know what he's done this before right and, and probably a sex offender and you know what kind of hard up motherfucker do you have to be to your pickup for a female is you're going to show her your junk and tell her to pull over, right? I guess if he did it a hundred times and he got turned down 99 and on that one other time he caught some horny lady or something that was into that kind of business and it worked for him. Maybe that's why he's doing it. I mean, I don't know. Uh, uh, so, she said I was blocked in. He kept doing it, and the Livingston exit was coming up. Uh, and she said I hit my brakes real hard because I wanted to get his license plate. And I'm like, yes, we got his ass. And so she said, but I knew that. Uh, she said I slammed on on my brakes, and he, you know, he ended up slamming on his. She said, but I saw the license plate, and it, it started with a W. And I won't tell you the rest of it because I can't remember. But uh, truck license plates in Louisiana started with a W. So she had, I said, so you got the license plate number. I wrote it down. Uh, she said, and then I exited at Livingston and I came straight to the courthouse because I knew that's where the sheriff's office was. And she said, I came upstairs. I said, okay. So I said, give me the, the plate and I'll run it and I'll be right back. The, um, so I took the plate I, and, I, and I went to the secretary who was still there working on or other case, and I said, can you call the radio room and run this 28 for me, please? Um, and she said, well, what happened? And I told her, and she was like, oh, my God. And she said, can you believe this shit? And I said, yeah. So just bring it back to me. So I go back, and I start to question her some more. I said, you know, tell me about the vehicle, and she did. A small, older, um, single cab, red Toyota pickup truck. And I said, tell me about him. She said he appeared to be maybe in his 40s. She said, I really wasn't concentrating on him. I said, well, did he have facial hair? She said he had a mustache. I said, all right. I said, was he 80 years old, 20 years old? She said, no. Like I said, maybe 40. She said, I really don't know. She said he had um, a little bit of a belly on him. I said, well, can you tell me how tall he was? And she said, no, not really. And she said, but he was a white male, et cetera. And, you know, I'm writing all this down. And uh, um, I said, look, you got to fill out a form for me, fill out a written statement as exactly to what happened and best you could remember. And I'll be back. I'm a, so I'm going to get the license plate. So I walk back out there, and my secretary looks at me, and she says, you're not going to believe this shit. I said, you got the plate. She said, yeah, but you're not going to believe this shit. I said, what? She said, you're going to know who this is. And I'm like, oh, fuck no. And she told me the name. I'm like, oh, no. And, y'all, I'm not going to say the name because I don't know what happened to this case. Um, I'm not going to say it was a prominent public official because it wasn't really 
a public official, but I, I knew this person. I knew where this person worked, and it was something that had to be addressed. We'll say it like that. So to the point where when I got it, I was like, "Fuck!" And and so I called <laughs> Chief Kearney and his wife. She's always a dear. She answered the phone. And I said, "I said, hey, it's Woody. Can I talk to him, uh, Chief, please?" And she said, "Yeah, baby, hold on." And he came to the phone. And I said, "I said." Mr. Kearney, I said, this is what happened. The guy's masturbating, et cetera. I got the license plate number, and it came back to him. He said, oh, man. He said, well, you need to work it. And I said, well, he said, what were you doing there this late anyway? I said, told him about the case I was working on. He said, well, you need to work on this one. You need to get him in. We need to get in front of this before it's found out and it gets on the media. I'm like, all right. So go back and, you know, get as much detail out of the lady as I can. And, um, you know, she was calming down some. She wrote a lengthy statement. And the, um, when she got done, she was like, I don't, I don't, I'm don't. i afraid to go home. I'm afraid to go home. I said, well, look, I'll call Blue and White and get them to escort you to your house. I said, I'm going to be on this. I said, I'm going to get this guy. Uh, um, I said, when I find out who it is or, or you know, I interview the person I believe it to be, I said, I'm probably going to come show you a photo lineup. I said, do you think you could pick them out of a photo lineup? She said, absolutely, I could. And so, I, you know, that's it. That's how it shook out. You know, she finished her statement. I called for a blue and white. The deputy came up. I told him what happened. And they escorted her home. So what I do, I get the address off the registered owner for the vehicle, Okay. And again, I knew who it was and they lived, I'm not even going to tell you where they lived at. What I did was I went to the residence. Okay. The residence is in a rural area. It had a, one neighbor, I think to the right, uh, uh, a driveway to the right. And it was a, a nice house, uh, um, you know, country home. And when I noticed by this time, y'all, it's like probably six o'clock, something like that. And I noticed there were two vehicles parked in the yard, uh, an extended cab truck and an SUV. But the red truck wasn't there. I'm like, well, fuck, I don't want to tip my hand or, or anything like that. So I said, well, maybe they parked behind the house because it was a pretty big yard. So I pulled into the neighbor's driveway, and I actually got out and walked down to where I could look behind the person's house. Now, the neighbor comes out, and I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm like, hey, hey, I'm sorry. The, uh, um, I just, you know, saw a wounded deer run through here, and um, I was just making sure if it was still alive or whatever. I'm, you know, not to bother you. No worries, right? And I'm not going to tell them I'm there because their neighbor was masturbating going down the interstate. So I get back in my shit and I leave. And there's this is a country highway, deep embankments, nowhere to set up and do surveillance or anything like that. And I'm like, you know, it's 6 o'clock. It's getting late. Uh, um, so I just hung out down the road uh, at a turnaround at one of those electrical power plants. And I waited a while, and I drove back by, no red truck. And then, uh, like, 7.30 comes, I drove back by, no red truck. I'm thinking, he certainly has to pass me at where I was sitting at. Uh, um And 8 o'clock comes, no red truck. Now, fuck, I'm tired. I've been working all day. Um, and I called Mr. Kearney back and I told him and he said, well, you know, you need to 
put the night shift on it and and tell them uh, to drive by there every so often if they see the truck and then they need to call you and you need to go back out and get them and question them, right? You see that you got to stay in front of the show. Like, all right. Uh, so I said, hey, let me back up. The I knew where he worked. I remember I told you all that. And and he said, but I, I said, the worst case scenario is I go to his work in the morning because I guarantee you he's going to be there. The place doesn't run without him. He said, yeah, but you can't wait that long. So I called, uh, I think it was Mike Irwin was the shift supervisor. Uh, Mike's a great guy. He was my supervisor at one point. And now I think... The last I heard, he was flying helicopters for Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office, and that's all he ever wanted to do. He didn't. He never wanted to be a detective. He kept holding out um, to be a helicopter pilot, and Sheriff Gray's ended up getting a helicopter and, and making that dream come true for him, right? The, um, his daddy, great guy, was with the state police and flew the helicopters for his entire career. But back to it, I called Mike, and I told him what I had, and I said, listen, this is the person. He said, oh, God. And I told him, and I said, can you have units ride by the house throughout the night, and when the red truck comes home, let me know, and I'll come back out and go question him. He said, yeah, no problem, right? Um, The... Next morning, you know, I always woke up around 6 o'clock, and, which is when the day shift was getting off. I mean, the night shift was getting off the uniform patrol. And so I called Mike, and he said, nothing, brother. He said, we went by all night long, uh, wore it out. That, that truck is not there. I'm like, all right, well, thank you. You know, and I, I'll, I'll catch minutes at work. So <laughs> I knew the work started. And, you know, the office opened at 8 o'clock, and – so I got dressed and went over, and I sat. Oh, well, I drove to the office location, and when I pulled in the parking lot, there weren't that many vehicles there yet. We'll call it a yard, okay? So, so they would get there, and uh, a lot of the employees would go out and, and work in the public. We'll leave it at that. So, but when I pull in, guess what happened? I see the red truck. I'm like, well, I knew he'd be at work, right? Runs the place. And so I get out, and I've got, you know, I'm, I'm dressed in a coat and tie and my badge and my gun on, and he's going to know who I am anyway. And I go up to the office, and I walk in. And the secretary's there, and I said, I need to see. We'll just call him Joe Blow. I said, I need to speak with Mr. Joe Blow. She said, and your name? I said, Detective Woody Overton. She said, well, can you have a seat, and uh, I'll call him for you. And so she buzzed the line in the back, and this guy comes out. Um, Mr. Joe Blow comes out, and I said, hey, I said, I'm Detective Overton, and I said, I need to talk to you. And, and he said, well, what do you have? You know, what's going on? How can I help you? I said, no, I, I mean, we're right there by the secretary. I said, I think you want to do this in private. And he kind of had a bewildered look on his face, and um he didn't know what it was about. And he said, well, okay, sure, come on back to my office. So we go back to his office to have a seat. And I mean, it was nice and cordial, but I mean, you could tell he was a little bit startled. Um, and so I sit down and I say, and I said, listen, I'm going to advise you your Miranda rights. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used to you in a court law. You have a right to an attorney prior to and during the question. You can't afford one to court point one for you. Now he's real, he's eyes are a little, you know, 
bulging. He's like, what is this about? He said, am I under arrest? I said, do you need to be under arrest? He said, do I need an attorney? I said, do you need an attorney? I said, that's, that's your right, your choice. I said, I just need to talk to you. Uh, um, and he said, well, I, I don't have anything to hide. He said, ask me anything you want to. I said, I don't need an attorney. I said, well, then let's just get the, the easiest question out of the way. And he said, go ahead. I said, were you masturbating yesterday around 4 to 4.15 p.m.? And he said, what? I said, were you masturbating yesterday around 4 to 4.15 p.m.? Now, y'all, that red truck, I verified the license plate when I pulled out. It's the same number, right? And comes back to this day. And he said, hell no. Now, a lot of times in cases like this, when you ask someone uh, that shock value question, if you will, they'll be like, uh, not that I know of. The world has become a smaller place and people are traveling more freely between countries than ever before. And companies are doing more business outside of their home countries than ever before. The geniuses at Rosetta Stone saw this trend beginning to develop years ago and have dedicated decades toward researching and refining the best and most efficient way to teach someone a new language. Rosetta Stone has been one of our most loyal sponsors here at Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show, and that's because many of you out there have trusted Rosetta Stone to prepare you for everything from a family reunion to a once-in-a-lifetime trip to a business trip in a faraway country. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program in the galaxy. Rosetta Stone's been there for us with a great product at a great price. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert in language learning for 30 years with millions of users. Rosetta Stone's intuitive process helps you pick up a new language naturally so you retain what you learn, and their true accent speech recognition feature is like having a personal trainer. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. Au revoir. Hey, you know, if they're guilty, right? This dude was adamant. He was like, hell no. I know. I don't know what you're talking about. Who the hell you think you are coming in here and and ask me that question? And then I'm thinking, oh, fuck, I might have just fucked up. And and because I knew he was telling the truth. And, and I said, listen, okay, okay. I said, let me start over again. I'm going to tell you why I'm here. I said, yesterday, I said, your truck was going westbound between the Albany in Livingston exit, and then, and I have a witness that said you were masturbating, and you were blocking them in, and you were honking the horn, and you were pointing that, uh, you know, for them to pull over a female. And he said, "Hell no!" And then, and he said, "What are you talking about?" And then he said, "I wouldn't even been over that way. Um, I wasn't even on the interstate yesterday at that time." And he said, "I was at home." Uh, and I was like, you own the small Toyota truck, license plate, number, such and such. And he said, he thought for a minute, he said, technically, I own it. I said, well, what does that mean? 
And I said, the witness got the license plate and white male masturbating, blocking him in, in that truck. And the small red Toyota, he said, yep. He said, I technically own it. He said, but I don't. And I said, what do you mean you don't own it? He said, I sold it to one of my employees. And he said, he's going to pay me uh, this Friday when he gets paid. He's going to pay me the rest of the amount I sold it for. And I told him that he could drive it and keep the license plate on it so he wouldn't get stopped. Uh, you know, I I think it was like two weeks, y'all, this deal had been going on. He said he already paid me a down payment, and I told him he could drive until this Friday and he could pay me the rest of the money. He said he had wrecked his vehicle, um, and he didn't have a, a ride to get to work. And I was like, oh, fuck. I said, well, you know what? Then I apologize. I said it, it wasn't you. I said, it, you know, I, probably, I shouldn't have came hard at you like that or whatever. I said, I'm just doing my job. He said, I understand that. He said, but you're telling me that truck had a white male masturbating in it. And look, this guy did, this guy had facial hair, but he had like a beard and a mustache. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck. She said mustache. I said, the, the employee that you sold it to, I said, does he have facial hair? He said, yeah, he has a mustache. I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. And so I said, look, I, I, where is he? And he said, he's already out in the field. Uh, work and he just left like 10 minutes ago I said look I need you to call him back and I said please don't say anything about this uh, um, I, I gotta investigate it I gotta find out what happened you know it, it, she may not be telling the truth I said I don't know but I, I gotta find out what happened and he's like he's like he said man I can't believe this he said this guy's been working for me for like eight years he's a good hand um, you know I never have to worry about him or anything else I said, I said, is he a convicted felon that you know of or anything, a sex offender? He said, no, 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 not at all. He, he said he's married and has, you know, kids, like teenagers. I said, okay. I said, can you please call him in, but don't tell him why. He said, yeah, I'll do that. So he called. Um, he said, hey, whatever. I, I got to come with Mr. X. We'll call him Mr. X. He said, Mr. X, you need hey, come back to my office, I need to talk to you. And again, you know, I couldn't hear the other end of the phone, but obviously it's like, what's this about? He said, just come in. I got something for you. So he said, well, I'm like 15 minutes away. I'm coming. So I waited. And then, um, Mr. X comes into the office and I stand up and he sees me. He looks down at my badge and my gun and he, he turns white. And I said, the, the, the his supervisor, the actual owner of the truck, said, I'm, I'm going to give you all a minute. And he walked out of the room, and I said, look, I'm a detective Overton. I advised him and his Miranda rights. I said, look, I need you to come in and talk to me. Because uh, y'all, generally, you, you don't want to interview someone on their turf, right, where they may be comfortable. Even though it's his boss's office, it was still his compound, if you will. And I knew this was the guy. I knew when he looked at my badge, looked at the gun, and he changed colors. I said, I knew it was going to be him. And I didn't want to have to go, you know, I didn't want him to lawyer up. I didn't want to have to go get a photo lineup of him now and, and show the victim, et cetera. If I could get him in the office and question him, that's what I do, right? Get the juice. I said, I said, look, you know, I advise everybody the Miranda rights. I said, you're not under arrest. I said, but, I, you know, there was the incident that happened yesterday. 
and I want to talk to you about it. I said, but I don't think you want to talk about it here. And he was like, well, I, I don't know if I want to talk about it. I said, well, you're going to talk about it one way or another. I said, the one way is you can come with me to my office and we could talk about it. Nobody you know, knows who you are, et cetera. Or I said, we can do it here where everybody knows you. And, and, you know, I said, I know what you did. You know what you did. And you got to help me help you. And he was like, well, I, I guess I'll go to your office. And so we go to go outside and he go, he reached in his pocket and gets the keys of the truck. And, and he said, I'll follow you up there. I said, no, 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 no. I said, um, you, know, you can't follow me up there. I need you to ride with me, leave your vehicle here. I said, but you got to do it voluntarily. I said, easy way, hard way, whatever. I said, I'm going to try to help you. I, I believe there's a logical explanation for this whole situation. And he's like, he hesitated and was like, okay. And so I go to get in the car and I said, hey, I know you're at work. I said, do you have any knives or pistols or anything on you? He said, I got a pocket knife. I said, give it to me for officer safety. And he did. And there was nobody in the parking lot. And I, I said, I'm going to pat Frisky real quick for my safety. And I patted him down. He didn't have anything else but his keys and his wallet. And put him in a back of the uh, unmarked and took him to my office. Go in the office, sit him down. I break out the Miranda rights form, read him his rights again. And look, he's changing colors, y'all. I said, do you understand your rights? He said, yeah, I understand them. I said, if you understand them, I need you to sign it right here that you understand. And he hesitated. I said, look, guys, so it got to be a logical explanation for why you're here. I said, you know why you're here. I know why you're here. Let me help you. Okay, so he signed it. And then on the bottom is consent to question part where it said, I voluntarily consent to answer questions. I don't need a lawyer at this time. I can stop answering questions anytime I want to, et cetera. So I read that to him, and he just went ahead and signed it. So I said, when we got when I was done with that, and I said, listen, I said, where were you at yesterday afternoon around 4 to 4.30? He was like, well, uh, uh, I said, look, you're thinking too hard. I said, I already know where you were. I said, if you're going to be honest with me, then you need to be honest with me so I can help you. I said, where were you yesterday between 4 and 4.30? He said, well, I was coming coming back from Hammond. I had to go to Home Depot to get something. I said, what route were you taking? He said, well, uh, I said, man, you're thinking too hard. Just tell me the truth. I already know, right? He said, well, I was on Interstate 12. I said, okay, while you were on Interstate 12, what happened? He said, well, what do you mean? I said, don't ask me the questions. I'm asking you the questions. And I said, if you feel like you have to lie to me or question me back or delay this any further, then I said, just fucking don't say anything at all. All right. Because I'm done with you. I said, I already know what happened. I'm trying to give you the chance to explain what happened, to explain this away. Right? I said, if not, then fuck you. I'm taking you to jail. I, I, I said, I, I already know. And he was like, well, I mean, he's, uh, 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 he's stammering. I said, okay. I said, that's it. I said, fucking stand up. And I stood up and I grabbed my cuffs off my belt. And I said, turn around, put your hands behind your back. He said, no, 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 no. He said, why? He said, I, I, I want to help myself. I said, start fucking talking, motherfucker, because I'm tired of dealing with your shit. And this is stupid as fuck, Right. And I said, in the grand scheme of things, this is stupid. And he's like, well, I, I mean, um, I was a, 
um, you know, he said, well, I was uh, driving, you know. And I said, yeah, I know you were fucking driving Interstate 12, westbound, Hammer Lane, in the red truck. He said, yes, sir, I was. I said, what were you doing while you were driving? He said, well, uh, I mean, I'm kind of embarrassed to say. And I said, well, tell me. He said, well, you know, I've been married for years, and this is a great one, y'all. A lot of the sex offenders use this one on me. He said, well, my wife, um, in, you know, uh, hadn't been giving me sex, and he said, and I was uh, I was horny, and, and he said, so uh, I was, uh, uh, I started to masturbate. I said, why are you driving? He said, yes. I said, okay. Continue. You're doing great. And I said, tell me what happened. He said, well, I was masturbating. That was it. I said, now you're lying again. I said, one more time, and I'm taking your ass straight to jail. He was like, what do you want me to tell you? I said, well, tell me what the fuck happened. Now, this is where he begins to minimize y'all. He says, well, uh, uh, I said, what were you masturbating to? What, what were you masturbating to? What were you doing? What were you looking at when you're masturbating? And he said, well, I was looking at a porno magazine, porno magazine. I said, well, where's the porno magazine? Oh, he said, it was on the uh, front seat of my truck, the passenger seat. I said, really? I said, what kind of magazine was it? And he went, uh, I said, motherfucker, that's it. I said, you hesitate. And I said, you only, you're hesitating because you're having to think about what your response is going to be. I said, did you? have a magazine and if you did what was the name of it it's like ah i said there you go again i said i'm about to fucking put these cuffs on you i don't have time to deal with your fucking shit i got a lot of other stuff i gotta do i said i can't help you explain away the situation if you're gonna lie to me i said was there a magazine that you were masturbating to he said no i said okay who were you masturbating to he said well i wasn't masturbating anybody I said, did you see anyone when you were masturbating? And he just looked at me. I said, did you make eye contact with anyone when you were masturbating? And he just looked at me. I said, did you slow down and speed up because of another vehicle that was beside you, that, that part driver of that vehicle saw you masturbating? He didn't say anything. I said, now the cat's got your tongue, huh, motherfucker? And he said, well, you told me if I had to lie, don't say anything at all because I'm going to assault your intelligence. I said, okay. So let me tell you what I got. And I said, the lady came in, very distraught, told me exactly what happened, how she moved over so you could pass her. And um, then she looks, realizes you're running uh, even with her. And she looks down. She's in a higher perch position in in her excursion. And she looks down and she sees you masturbating. Y'all make eye contact. And when, when you, she makes eye contact with you, then you really start to masturbate. I said, in fact, you lifted your pelvis up and pointed your penis in a direction. You're going to town, right? And, and he's kind of shaking his head. Yeah. I said, then you began to honk your horn. And because she's trying to slow down and, and speed up and doing this, and you're doing the same thing. You began to honk your horn, and you point, and she looks at you again, and you start to point her to the side of the road. He said, oh, I don't know about that. I said, motherfucker, 
even if she saw you masturbating and doing whatever and you already said you made eye contact and she said you made eye contact and why would she lie about you honking the horn saying pull over? And he was like, well, and he just hung his head. And I said, listen, grand scheme of things, you're not going to Angola for beating you mate and trying to get some lady to look at you. All right. I said, it's going to be indecent exposure, something like that. I said, I haven't decided yet. Just, I'm not just to ask you one last time, tell me everything and then, or I can hit you with an easier charge or I can just hit you with a full charge. And you know, meanwhile, y'all uh, um, had had a run his criminal history and he did, he was not a sex offender, but so he, he starts crying. Uh, I haven't had sex with my wife and I was just horny all the time. And, um, and, and, you know, he said, I did it. And, and she was an attractive female and, and, and I, I was just exposing myself to her and I was masturbating to her and I was hoping she would pull over. I really was. I was hoping she would pull over and we'd have sex. And I'm thinking, I'm just looking at it and I'm thinking, you stupid motherfucker. And I'm like, yeah, it, 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 I wanted to ask him, you know, has that shit ever really ever worked for you? I said, but I can't because I got him talking now. I said, all right, so the, you, you're speeding up, slowing down. You made eye contact. I said, when you made eye contact, I said, before you started honking and pointing, I said, did you think maybe she was getting off on it or something. She liked it. He said, yeah, yeah, I thought that. I, he said, I thought I had a chance with her. He said, I really did. He said, I'm so sorry. He said, I, I, I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have done it. And, you know, I was speeding up and slowing down. And, yes, I was honking a horn, and I was pointing for her to pull over. And then she jumped off the Livingston X. Oh, she, he said she locked up the brakes. And he said, before that, I knew she didn't have my license plate. And when she locked up the brakes, I locked up mine. I knew she had my license plate, and she jumped off the Livingston exit. And um, I said, well, unfortunately for you, you hadn't fucking registered that truck in your name. I said, and, and I went pretty hard at your boss this morning. I'm, I'd be very surprised if he didn't call the sheriff and, and say that basically I accused him of masturbating going down the interstate. He was like, I know it was me, and I'm sorry. He said, are you going to tell my wife? Are you going to tell my wife? I said, that's on you, homie. I said, but what I am going to do is place you under arrest right now. Um, and I think y'all are charging with, with indecent exposure. And he started crying. He said, just don't tell my wife. I just don't tell my wife. And I said, well, look, I said, stand up. And I stood him up, y'all. And he came around the desk and I stood him up and put his hands behind his back and I handcuffed him and I shook him down again and he's crying now and he's like you're taking me to jail I said you're fucking right I'm taking you to jail I said that lady was scared to death uh, and you did it and and you know I gotta get a statement from you I'm gonna sit you back down we'll get a tape statement and we did that and he cried the whole time and he said about how his wife wouldn't give him sex and he was horny and he thought she, that the lady liked it and, and all that and, and uh, oh, you know what I charged with? I charged with uh, careless operation or reckless operation for doing the speeding up and slowing down and I think indecent exposure. Grand screen things, not a whole lot of charges or very serious charges. It was serious to the, to the victim. But, um, you know, by the end of it, all he was worried about was, you know, he was going to jail. Yeah. He said, there's no way I can get out of going to jail. I'm, I said, no, you're going to jail. I said, as far as telling your wife, I said, that shit's on you. And I said, you know, 
who's yeah, I said you're gonna have a twenty five thousand dollar bond at least probably you know twenty five thousand five hundred until a judge sets you a bond because anytime lives a pair she got arrested and each felony account was an automatic twenty five thousand until the judge heard your case and so but long story short I take him to the jail and go back through the sally port and have to walk him in and get buzzed through the doors and I had to secure my weapon in the vehicle buzz through the doors and I take him to the booking room. Now, the booking room, when you when you walk through the doorway, there's a, a bench along the concrete wall that you handcuff people to. And they had one desk where one person, one deputy could book somebody at a time. And the fingerprint machine was behind you and all that. I didn't have to do that part, but I had to fill out a booking sheet. Well, when we walk in, there's two other dudes. Um look like meth heads or whatever they're they're chained to the bench and yeah they look like frequent flyers uh, uh pretty much badasses oh well, i did tell the guy i said you when we go in here it'd be to your advantage if you don't tell anybody that you're in here for beating your meat i said if they find out they find out i said if you can book out um bail out before then you know i said because they really don't take kindly to people doing sex shit right and so we walk in, there's two hard-ass thugs sitting on the bench. And uh, I uncuff him from behind his back and uh, um, put one cuff to it. It's a bar that goes behind that bench, y'all. And I cuffed him to the bar. And I'm getting out the booking form. And it was yellow, white, and black. I'll never forget them. And multi-page. And I started, I asked him his name. And um, then we got to the charges. And I just, I skipped over. I filled it in, but I didn't ask it out loud or tell them out loud because uh, those two other dudes were in there and I probably figured they'd beat his ass, right? So I skipped a charge and I'm going down through the rest of it, you know, whatever, height, weight, whatever. That, um, and one of the guys said, hey, man. He said, it was a pretty big day for a meth head. He said, hey, man. And my guy looks at him and said, what the fuck's your charge? Why are you in here? Why did the detective brought you in? And he said, he said, well, well he puffs his chest, chest out, chest out a little bit. And he says, well, uh, uh, I, I beat somebody up. <laughs> he said, you beat somebody up? He said, yeah, I, I beat him bad. And I, I, I y'all, I just busted out laughing. I said, yeah, yeah, hey, motherfucker. I said, the only thing you beat was your pud. You beat your meat. You beat your pud, whatever you want to call it. I said, you're in here for indecent behavior, for indecent exposure and careless operation, whatever the fuck else I charged him with. And I ended up booking him. So there you go. Just another old funny cop story, but uh, getting the confession out of him. But he's puffed up and wanted to be Billy Badass and said, I beat, I, I beat somebody up bad. And I said, yeah, you beat your pud. And that's it. Thank, thank you for listening. I hope you liked it. Uh, leave a review and tell everybody else about us and all that good podcaster shit I'm supposed to say. Go download the Real Life Real Crime Community app for free from the app store. I answer everybody there first before I get into Facebook jail like I do every week. Um, the app has more real life for crime stuff. Uh, it has everything that we're doing. Um, also, go listen to Real Life Real Crime Daily, our new show with, with my co-host Jim Chapman 
and Mike Agravino. Everybody loves it. The numbers prove it. It's fire. Share. It's three days a week, y'all. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. It gets released. And also, Bloody and Gola. The it's an awesome podcast that Jim Chapman and I do, uh, covering stories from Angola, Louisiana State Penitentiary. Um, some of them are very hard to hear but they're true. Some of them are very uplifting and we have everything. Some of them are funny. We have everything in between. Um, very more of a documentary style than true crime, but it certainly has true crime in it. And that's it. I just want to thank everybody again. Uh, we got a lot of big stuff coming again. If you want to have the chance of a lifetime to advertise a real life, real crime, the podcast before, the middle of April. If you want to get locked in, and I can't tell you what's coming in the middle of April, but it's coming. If you want to get locked in, contact Cindy, C-Y-N-D-I, at realliferealcrime.com and find out. She'll send you a package, your business, national, local, doesn't matter. We, we got a plan for you. And if you're not an organ donor, but you ever thought about becoming one, become one, Okay. My jam is the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, LOPA. I uh, close every show with it. And if you're a lifer from Toma, Wisconsin, and you want to become an organ donor, you don't have to be from Louisiana. Go to LOPA.org, fill out the form, give the gift of life, people. People are dying every day waiting on organ transplants. Um but also LOPA goes way above and beyond that. And they give the personal, I would say lifetime care to the family members uh, of the donors, right? Your, your loved one dies and they, they, their organs go to, to or whatever, to, to help other people live that LOPA will take care of you. Uh, um, they're a beautiful organization, nonprofit, we support them a thousand percent, and that's it. And I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on Murder by You. Peace. Yeah, the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights?